What's up guys, happy Thursday, you're tuned in to Ronin Radio. Today I have Ollie Mansbridge. Ollie is the CrossFit Country Manager for the UK and Ireland, the boss at Strength in Depth uh, Fitness CrossFit Competition in the UK, uh, boss at CrossFit Bath and CrossFit Trowbridge, uh, partner boss, and all around nice guy. So we're going to dig in. This one went on, we were kind of an hour plus, but that's what happens when you get passionate affiliate owners together to have a chit chat. So hope you guys enjoy. Give us a uh, comment or a share or anything like that if you like it. Thank you very much, guys. Here's Ollie. All right, man. We got uh, a couple of different things to dig into today and. Uh, Maybe I'd love to just start with you. Just give us a little bit of brief history about your, your CrossFit journey, kind of where you started originally. Yeah, cool. Uh, where to start? I guess, um, so I found CrossFit 2007-2008. Um, had been playing rugby and was looking for something else to do. Uh, and yeah, just did some research online, really, just trying to find effective ways of training. Found Jim Jones initially which was cool, but then quickly realized that actually what they were doing at Jim Jones was CrossFit. And so myself and a couple of guys who I was working in the country club at the time kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of CrossFit and did the research, read all the journal articles and, and everything that um, you know was online. And, and actually, if you think about it, this is kind of before Facebook was just getting started. Instagram didn't exist. Um, you know, YouTube, I'm pretty sure didn't exist. So like all the all the video content and stuff that CrossFit were putting out back in the day, I think 11, 12 years ago, was kind of real groundbreaking, but also really easy to um, to digest and 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 learn and and study uh, to. So that was hugely valuable, and and managed to get our heads around CrossFit and what it was, and and just fell in love with it really. Um, and then shortly after maybe about 12 months afterwards before, you know, we lo- love this so much. We want to tr- start sharing it with other people, our friends and friends and family and stuff. So we set up a little 500 square foot box, tiny little um, space, like pull up bar was made up of scaffolding with one row, one barbell. Um, and yeah, just started changing friends and family. Never felt like it was a kind of a business proposition at the time. I'm pretty sure no one in the UK was really doing CrossFit full time as a, as a career. Um, and so it was just a massive passion project for us. But then quickly, you know, CrossFit just started exploding. We were just right place, right time. Uh, and, and quickly realized that actually, you know, we could do this full time. There's lots of people. There's lots of demand. People are obviously enjoying it. And we're loving it. So let's 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 think about doing this uh, for real and as a career. And that was probably 2010, 2011. And yeah, I haven't looked back since, really. Um, it's been 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 an amazing journey. Nice. And you, did you affiliate around 2010? So we have, we affiliated in 2009. So we, we're um, coming up to um, 12 years in October. So yeah, we, um, we were ninth in the UK, I think. Right. Okay. And who was first, second and third in the UK? I'm trying to think, you know, kind of like London, central London. was up there, the London, actual CrossFit London. So Andrew Stemlin, he was like my first introduction to, to CrossFit. Great guy, super eccentric, but, you know, was brilliant at um, bringing the functional movements to life, bringing the, the nine fundamental movements to, to life. And 
And um, yeah, he he really opened my eyes to a different way of of coaching and presenting stuff. So CrossFit London, they were actually CrossFit London um, were the first in Europe, and I want to say they were potentially, and I can actually pull it up here quickly. I want to say they were the like one of the top five in in the whole world now. Like was it affiliate? Really? Yeah, yeah, they were like proper head of the curve. Let me get wow. the year up. I think it was it was so early. Uh two thousand and five. Yeah. Two thousand and five. So Wow. Um, oh gee territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was CrossFit <laughs> oh, London. Five. And then and then uh Stedder's actually his original box, he opened it up with a guy called Mark Beck. Uh they opened CrossFit Manchester in two thousand and six. So they're the kind of earliest ones. Um yeah, and then you think about it, that's kind of four or five years before my time. So super, super yeah. OG. Um and then yeah, gets to kind of 2008, and then there's a real influx of uh, of affiliates. 2008, we affiliated October 2008. So uh, nice. Yeah. And uh, so in the end days, what did it look like for you, Ali? We're just kind of full time smashing it in the gym, 24 seven type of thing. Yeah, well, I, I so basically um, we worked at a country club together, uh, and I actually worked in the office. Um, helping out on reception and membership sales and that type of stuff. And the two guys, Ed and Adam, who I, who I partner with, with the gym, they were personal trainers. And so when we, when I told my boss, Oh, look, we're thinking about setting up our own gym. It's a CrossFit gym. It's not, you know, it's very different to what we do here. He was kind of like, nah, you, uh, you're probably going to have to find something else to do. It was a real conflict of interest. So I actually mm-hmm. worked in bizarrely in a um, milkshake bar, it was a place called Shaker. And they just, we just made crazy different combinations of, of milkshakes, which sounds bizarre, but it was, it was kind of, I, I was, I was, I was looking for something to do basically where I could go to the gym in the morning, do the, do the morning classes, then, then work in the day. Typically when there's the, most people are at work themselves and so not coming to the gym, but then also be able to ride my bike or walk to the gym after work as well. And then do all the evening classes. And so nice. I did that for, and I was very transparent with the guys who hired me. I said, "Look, I'm, I've got this gym. I'm trying to get off the ground. Not really sure where it's going to go, um, but just to make you aware of that, because I'm not sure how long I'll be around for." And you know, I, it sounds sounds ridiculous working in a milkshake bar, but I learned valuable skills there from a managerial perspective. And I was only 22, 23 at the time, so learned some 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 real valuable stuff there. And so it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a complete waste of time. But it just allowed me oh, yeah. to not have to take an income from the gym initially, um, and and you know it, it, it was people think well how did you do both at the same time I, you know it's like fifteen sixteen hours a day but you, in the beginning you just you just love it so much you just don't care you want to be at the box you know I'd spend all my time at work wishing I was at the box ultimately so uh, and it was mm-hmm. an incentive for me to you know try and grow the box as quickly as I could so I could stop selling milkshakes and start working in the gym full time so. Nice man, yeah. It's not too far away from my own story, except it was I was in the army here in the defence forces, and uh, same sort of like work division, getting out of there as, as quick as I could, spend a day over here, then get back there when I had to, running around, you know. But uh, I was kind of I was established enough that I, I could dodge a lot of work, so that was that was probably <laughs> the best part. I tell you, you were probably doing more in your shop than I was doing. Yeah, mine. no, I mean it was like you, know, you can imagine like selling milkshakes is quite seasonal to be honest, and. We'd have like this time of year, it'd be dead. But 
it was the type of place that like people would travel to. It was, I don't know, we've got probably some equivalents in Dublin with just like their kind of uh, local landmarks where they're so in, like unique and different that, that people would come to. Mm. So on a Saturday and Sunday. What was it called? Shakeaway it's called. And, uh, all right, yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, on a Saturday and Sunday, people would just travel from all over and you'd have a line out the door. It'd just be absolutely crazy, just constantly making milkshakes. And, and basically, it's you, you, uh, is it, there's about 115 different ingredients and you could just choose. So you'd have a Malteser in there or you could have a banana in there or you could have a protein shake one. Like it was just every possible combination you could think of. Um, you know, it was good. It was good fun. It was a bit, it was a bit odd, but, um, you know, it served, it served the purpose. And like I said, it was a fun place to work, learn some valuable skills and, uh, yeah, not quite as cool as being in the army, but you know, <laughs> that sounded like a lot of, lot, lot of sweeping, yeah. polishing boots. So uh, when Greg and the likes all took on the the Coke mission, the anti Coke, anti sugar thing, you were just kind of quietly working away. Just, yeah, <laughs> just well, yeah. Uh, I, I, I do joke about. It. I guess I, I, you know, as far as I was concerned, I justified because it was a treat. Like everyone's allowed a treat now and then, right? But then you would get these guys that would come in like every day and have one for their lunch, and you just slowly see them getting bigger and bigger. And, it, and I had that constant moral dilemma. I was like, should I say something? Should I, you know, like, should I slip the card? Out that it's probably not the best thing to do. Have like a milkshake with two scoops of ice cream, Ferrero Rocher, Quino, Kinder Bueno in like with a flake on top. It's probably not the best <laughs> route to take. But um, yeah, no, it's like, like I said, it's a bit of fun back then. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, learned some valuable skills. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, for sure. And then in the gym, then you had you said you had a couple of partners there. The, the guys that you're still rocking with now in the gym scene, is it? Yeah, yeah. Ed and Ed and Adam, and um, you know, uh, they have been. They're kind of I see them as just life partners now. To be honest, we've been through so much over the last kind of twelve, thirteen years. Uh, and and yeah, it's it's not been straightforward. Like you know. It's not easy. Being, you have to work at it, being in a partnership, and there's been ebbs and flows of people's motivation and different life circumstances that get in the way and, and make things more challenging. And, and your the amount of time that you can kind of give to the gym and the course. But yeah, I think uh, through thick and thin, we're still here and as passionate as ever. And I think uh, you know it does it does kind of help that there's three of us because if there's ever a kind of a, um, I guess a point of difference between two of us as a kind of third one to settle it you know it's always two against one which actually that dynamic really really works in a partnership I think when when there's two people it's, it's definitely more challenging for sure because it's kind of your opinion against the other person's opinion how do you how do you settle that it's, it's tricky right so mm. um, but yeah no I, I I would not have been I would not be where I am we would not achieve what we achieved with the gym if it wasn't for those two guys so I'm, I'm internally grateful for them that's brilliant, man. Absolutely fantastic. And how many gyms are you involved in now, Ollie, with the guys? So we have two. Um, so we opened our second affiliate uh, almost six years ago. And um, we, where Shaq's Adam, one of my partners, where he's from is a, a place called Trowbridge, which is about 10 miles outside of Bath. And because that's where he's from, we, we run a lot of sessions over there, like out of his mum and dad's garage, like unofficially back in the day. And so we actually built, and obviously had lots of friends and family in Trowbridge. So we, we actually built a bit of a following then. And back in the day, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, people would travel. We had people traveling 30, 40, 50 miles to come to the gym just because we were the only CrossFit gym around. Um, 
And so we'd have a lot of them traveling over to Bath to come and uh, work out. And so it just made, made sense that actually, well, we've got so many people coming over from Trowbridge, we might as well open a gym in, in Trowbridge. Um, in hindsight, it was probably a bit too soon. You know, I'm, I think, I, I think uh, opening, there's nothing wrong with opening your second affiliate, but we certainly opened it before we got Bath to the kind of finished article. And, and I think what's really important for, for people to, to, to think about when they're thinking about opening another location is like, are you absolutely maximizing the potential of your current gym? Like, yeah, is it the finished article and you're happy with it and you just wouldn't change anything? You, you can't do anything more of it. It's just kind of the, the, the finished article before considering opening somewhere else because it's kind of like building a house before you finish building the house that you're in. And trying to build two houses that are half built is much harder than trying to build a second house once the other one's been built. And uh, so, you know, real valuable lessons there in, in the first couple of years. I think, um, you know, it was definitely more challenging than we, we thought it would be. Uh, but, you know, that's that we're um, we're in a good place of it now. And uh, we've got its own established community. And, and, and like from a partnership perspective as well, what what what? was difficult as we were both working across we were all three of us were working across both sites we had coaches working across both sites but it made it very difficult to build a rapport with the members there and we felt like uh what, what we did is we just switched it and said right myself and ed would just be in bath predominantly at the time and adam would be in trobridge the majority of the time and we just stick to those locations and and that that's one of the best things we did because you can really build some familiarity with the location with the people with the members with the staff um and so yeah that that that's um you know that's been a real good lesson for us um and and hugely enjoyable as well so yeah and, and just uh you know now we've got two communities that we're serving and this two you know it's um hugely valuable so Fair play, man. Yeah. I was just listening to Best Hour of the Day today with Jason Ackerman, and uh, the, this was the whole topic that they were touching on. And they did not seem sold on the idea of a second gym, even at that kind of like larger, more successful, the huge sort of uh, gyms. They were from experience, they seemed a little bit yeah. scared. To, like, you know, just be very, very sure that you want to yeah. do it. <laughs> it really depends on what you want to do, you know. Um, if, you, if you want to be in the trenches coaching, then you absolutely do not consider opening a second box unless you've got somebody that you trust um, and can rely on to be the landlord. It's like you basically need a landlord for locations, right? So you go mm. to a pub and you got your you got your landlord. You need a landlord yeah. at each location that's like the life and soul, and you can build the community around. And um, yeah, if you try and do that in a place and you try and spread yourself across two places, it's it's always gonna it's always gonna be difficult. Um, but you know, I have. What motivates me with having multiple locations is actually helps uh, give other people opportunities and help people get into the fitness industry and have a career in the fitness industry that maybe wouldn't. Have. Nice. Um, and so that's that's the upside for me. It's the giving opportunities. Like, had we not opened one in Trowbridge, like all those people's lives that were affecting and improving, you know, whether it's a team member or whether it's a member, maybe it not have happened. So. Um, yeah, it's one of those things you just need to make sure that you you're not spreading yourself too thin. You've got a team to support it. If it's just your own, it's it's, it's just going to be difficult. So, 
Mm-hmm. Sounds like one of the key things uh, which you mentioned there is giving somebody specific responsibility for it and seeing that same face again and again, like bouncing around doesn't seem to work. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And you need to incentivize if you're going to put somebody in, in as, a, as a landlord or as, a, as the head of the gym, I guess, the leader of the gym, they need to be incentivized. And if it's just somebody, if it's just a coach that's been paid minimum wage, you know, there, there's no sustainability in that. There's no long term uh you know, it's, it's just, it's going to run its course eventually. So you need to make sure that whoever is that person that's in that location is, 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 is geared in and is, you know, behind it and, you know, has the backing and the support and the resources to, to, for it to be a long-term sustainable career. And that's what's important, I think. Mm. Looking, looking back in hindsight, which is, we love a bit of hindsight. uh, Is there anything that you could have done differently to make that, move easier to get that second box up and running any big tips um i think i would just yeah just maybe not done it as as soon uh like i said i think we shift in adam the the challenge back in the day was like adam as an example shacks was so valuable to the bath gym it just seemed crazy that we'd take like our best coach and put him in another Mm. facility and i think that's why we kind of had us all working across the two locations but over time, you know, we built our own, uh, you know, our coaching team became more experienced and more established. Shifting Adam across wasn't as harmful. Um, I think the Bath guys right. would still love to have him back from time to time. But um, yeah, I would just, uh, I would say uh, making making sure that you've got that one person ahead of the, the gym and that, that figurehead that you can build the gym around is, is hugely important. Um, mm. But yeah, no, other than that, you know, it's just... Uh, we're always learning as, as, as gym owners and as business owners and every day, like you look back and I always call it like the, the three year gap. And you look back three years and think, Christ, what well, you cringe at some of the stuff that you were doing at the time. And that's just part and parcel of it. And part of being an owner, you're always going to continue to learn and, and find new ways of, of helping serve your members. So, mm, Absolutely. So you have a new role now. Uh, well, you, you have the Irish role is new, but what, what's your role for CrossFit over this side of the world? What's the title? So the title is country manager. Um, so I'm country manager for UK and now Ireland. And nice. you know, initially um, it was to be like a point of contact more than anything. And um, I think obviously cultures around the world are very different and CrossFit being very US centric and and being very US centric time based etc. It, it felt very difficult to try and communicate with them, particularly as an, as an affiliate. And so, CrossFit about four years ago decided to try and have representatives in in in, in certain countries and in, in in the markets where you had the most affiliates basically. Um, and 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 the original title was actually liaison. That was before I started. But, and and that it kind of was more you're more of a liaison, um, and just the bridge between the HQ and and your country, I guess the the community within your country. Uh, and over time, it's just kind of evolved, and just like you do as an affiliate owner, try and figure this thing out, or as a CrossFit member, you try and figure out what CrossFit is. That's what the international program has done over the last couple of years. It's really just kind of. Um, Try to figure out what what how we best serve the community. What does that look like? Um, and and I like I think in places like Germany and France and Spain and Brazil, they they clearly have a huge barrier with the language. And so a lot of the stuff that CrossFit was pushing out was in in English. 
And obviously, we don't have that problem in in England and in in UK and Ireland. Whereas in you know Brazil, five percent of the of the of the country can understand or speak English. So um, you can imagine how a lot of stuff was getting lost in translation, basically, when when it was coming from CrossFit. And so by having these country country managers, it helped kind of with translation and also just you know be a voice within that community and uh, help kind of share, spare, share the kind of CrossFit methodology, but in an authentic kind of local way. Um, and now, before it was kind of very, uh, I guess, very passive and hands-off. Like Greg was very keen for us not to, to get too involved in how the affiliates operated. He's a big believer that affiliates should be completely independent and run, run their affiliates however they like. But, um, you know, I think now it definitely feels like if, if you're, and I've said this before, but if you're, if we're going to align ourselves with CrossFit, we're going to align ourselves with a global community and a brand. Um, there, there's an obligation from CrossFit's end to, to support and give back to that. Yes, it's an affiliation model. It's not a franchise. Um, and there's, there's a key difference between those two things. But it's, um, but there should be a level of support. Like there's, you know, with your members, you know, your members turn out, they do the class, great. But I guarantee that, that you do, you go above and beyond that even, right? You don't just, are complacent with the fact that you just deliver classes. I'm sure you do a huge amount more than that. Um, and, and that's where I see CrossFit's role with the affiliates in particular is like, we shouldn't just be content with them just paying the affiliation and they use their brand. What else can we be doing? How can we continue to improve the affiliates um, experience as an affiliate? And, and what are the things that we can do to support them to, 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 to make their their gyms and their communities more successful, basically. Um, and so that's how the, I guess, the role has evolved from being probably a liaison to more, being more proactive and thinking about ways that we can support the affiliate in a, in a real tangible, tangible way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the definition, like when you're, you're trying to make boxes more successful and move the needle in the right direction, are they leaning on a lot of your experiences and your expertise or are you getting fed, you know, information templates, other people's experience? Uh, do you have somebody in front of you that's kind of helping you build this type of stuff? Like how much of it is on you and how much of it is shared? Yeah. So um, I guess it's a bit of both. I mean, part of the reason why I'm in this role is probably because I have a bit of experience. So I don't have all the answers. Um, I mean, you use the word success and it, success is very different for different affiliate owners and what success might be for you it's going to be different to, to other affiliate owners so um it's very difficult from our perspective to have like a, a sweeping kind of um strategy or business plan and this is what you must do to to be successful because it's very different and, and affiliate owners have got get into this um get into the, the, this community to, for, for different reasons so um i think moving forward and, it, and this is something that we're constantly trying to refine and debate and, and figure out what the best way it is to deliver it's just trying to build a, some templates some some overarching themes that you know don't just come from me and the, the country managers but it comes from people who within the community that have been successful in the past and pulling all that experience because you think the vast amount of, there's so much experience within the community pulling all that together 
um, into a platform that helps, you know, just point affiliate owners in the right direction, makes them think about stuff they may have not thought about before. But rather than saying this is the way you must do it and this is the only way of doing it, it just helps them provide some some options, basically. Um, and that mm-hmm. they're actually having a meeting in Boulder, I think it's actually this week or maybe next week, with some of the real prominent people within the community, um, people like uh, CJ Martin um, and, and, and other really established kind of CrossFit affiliates to kind of really fresh up what that looks like and what that kind of suite of services looks like for, for an affiliate owner, basically. Um, so work in progress. It is obviously I can share my experiences as best I can, or I can at least point people or connect people with other affiliates I know have had similar challenges um, and, and, and connect them and, and, and maybe help them help each other out. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's constantly evolving, really. And that's and, and this is a, like it's quite exciting, really, because it's a real blank sheet of paper. And it's like, well, how do we best do this? What does this best look like? And it's speaking to people like mm-hmm. yourself and other affiliate owners to really understand what it is that you guys expect and, and want from from CrossFit to help you, you thrive and get better. Yeah, absolutely. I think us 10-year plus affiliates are slightly different in that we have traditionally expected yeah. nothing. We just expected, just we're just happy getting that name. And, you know, I suppose the uh, times have changed. Having a decade on, it's just so much more uh, challenging to to start a new business. Like the, there's a big market there now for people that can go anywhere and everywhere to get functional yeah, fitness. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, again, Greg's perspective was, that we don't get involved in that stuff, but what it does is it opens a massive opportunity for the likes of Jason Kleeper and the likes of um, Two Brain Business and, and other people to to build their own businesses around that, that you know, the business side of, of CrossFit. Um, and it's just kind of giving that piece of the pie away. But I guess that the, 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 the challenge is then that people kind of, we lose the influence to a certain degree and people look to them as an authority and they might want to do things slightly different way um, or, and I think by us not, I don't think it's good enough just to say, well, there are other people that can fill that void and fill that opportunity. We should at least have something that we can stand behind and give, give you know, give affiliate uh, owners just as a guide more than anything. And just to, um, yeah, I, I, I found, I found it like 10 years ago, I'd agonize about stuff like simple things, like how many people should I have in my class? Should I hire another coach? Like, real basic stuff that to you and I now would just, you know, seem obvious. But um, when you're starting out and you've got so many questions and so many things to think about, you just, and, and there's so many people doing it in different ways. It's almost like paralysis by analysis, isn't it? And just, um, just, just, just simplifying mm. that. And, and you, you pointed out, you know, you rightly pointed out actually how we, how we support the 10 year affiliates is going to look very different to how we support the five year affiliates. It's going to be very different to how we support the new affiliates and, and understanding that and laying out, you know, different, um, I guess, different criteria for each st- stage of those levels as well is important. I think the first stage is all about just opening up and starting on the right foot and making sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Uh, the second stage is really about filling the gym and making sure that your gym's thriving in, in, in the right way. And then the, the third kind of stage where you are maybe a 10-year established box is, okay, well, if you do want to open another box, what are the things for you to think about before committing to it and deciding to do that? Here are some of the drawbacks from other gym owners' experience that have been there and done it, like um, like you were saying on the mm. on the podcast earlier. So, so yeah, and, and so you can see how these are not um, 
these are not simple things that can be done overnight, but it's definitely things that are being thought about and things that are trying to get worked out as soon as we possibly can so that we can start providing more value for the, for the affiliates. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Sounds like a fantastic move. And, but you mentioned like with the 10 year affiliates, it's not necessarily a case of, you know, uh, should we sit down and look at a second box? It could be a case of, right. You're doing this a decade of your life. You're still putting in, what, like 40, 50, 60 hours a week, this, you know, can we build this back at square one and then move from there? You know, I think there's a lot of people that would be happy enough with the right mentorship and leadership to to kind of strip it all back and to put proper systems in place if they never took that mentorship on yeah, it. It's, it's difficult because you, you kind of get stuck in your own way, way of doing things and stuck in your own, you know, in your own way, basically. And sometimes you just need, you do, you need yeah. to have people to point some stuff out to just say, have you thought of, you considered this? Uh, which uh you know is it, we're a proud bunch aren't we affiliate owners and we don't necessarily want to reach out for help so uh, it's, it's case to yeah. be open to this is true. feedback and having other people give you um yeah just just kind of shine the mirror back on you really and help you kind of see things sleep sleep through the trees mm. um i think like with the mm. like you said as well 10 years like we just don't have that expectation right we we're happy to use the brand we see the value in the brand it's always been you know, good to us on balance over the years. And like for me personally in yeah. Bath, like the, the affiliation works out about £185 a month. So, you know, we're looking at like one to maybe three members and it's worth that, that cost alone. Um, and I think that's the way I've always come at it. But, and so there's no, you know, there, you know I think that the value for money is there regardless of the support that I've talked about. But if we can do better, then we should do better. We should at least explore ways of doing better. Um, you know, and some people might not use the resource because they don't need to and they're doing all right. But at least it's there for people. And at least we're, we're showing that we care and we want to support, basically. Is there, like from the HQ side of things and from yourself, is there is there a need from the the angle that, okay, you know, we might be losing boxes. We're coming out of a pandemic. We need to, we need to grow we need to help these affiliates or is it more just kind of let's help these affiliates because they're, they're a cool bunch? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of what us country managers and the people that have been in the company um, before the new manager, before the leadership team took over was like, it was just, for me, it's all about helping the current affiliates, helping the current affiliates thrive and be the best they possibly can be. Because CrossFit as a business is obviously affiliation, uh, training, um, you know, training courses and seminars and um, uh, open participation. That's the kind of real free key revenue streams. And like just helping the affiliates that are existing thrive and get better and back on their feet through COVID is going to encourage more mm. people to take up their level one and go on coaching courses. It's going to encourage more open participation. So, um, you know, I don't think there's, there's definitely not any, you know, there's no, definitely no... Um, drive from the the new leadership team to start growing the affiliation they obviously would love to do it because we want we want everybody you know everyone in the world to do crossfit because we all know what the benefits and the value of that is um but before mm. we do that it's about turning to our own our, our existing affiliates and making sure that they're they've got the tools to be successful and that they they feel cared for and they feel supported and then we can start thinking about mm. how do we grow affiliation what does 
more of Phillips look like. But for now, yeah, all our time and effort and focus is just being in the existing affiliates, basically. Right. And obviously, the, with, with Greg and all of the different stuff that happened last year, there was a lot of de-affiliations. There was a lot of uh, uh, people jumped ship, you know, and then with the, the tough times of the pandemic and stuff, like, has the company or is, is CrossFit failing it worldwide? Is there a big drop-off percentage-wise? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot of people who de-affiliated um, I guess uh, front facing and out of out of protest, which I completely understand why they did that, um, but didn't actually deaffiliate with CrossFit. If that makes sense, like they didn't, they, you know, because if you think yeah. you sign an annual agreement, your agreements just come round, and you hit your ten year anniversary, and actually, like you could have said you deaffiliated, but actually your renewals only just come round. So it'd only be now that you would say, like, actually, I don't want to continue as an affiliate, as an example. So, so we so yeah, yeah, actually because I think Eric's come in and made such a, a, a good um, you know good impression front off and people can see that, that there's at least some willingness to change and improve. Actually, there wasn't that many affiliates that that jumped ship um, as it may have felt and seemed at the time because um, you know there's so so much stuff was going on, on social media. Yeah, Facebook exactly. blew up, didn't it? Um, and I, I completely and I understand that, and I understand the reasons for doing it. And I think it's it's great that people have, you know, they're not they're not so stubborn to feel like, well, we made this statement and now we have to stick with it. It's like, no, we 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 want to see what happens. We want to see how CrossFit changes and improves. And and I think everything that people were calling for that was disappointed uh, has kind of transpired and and come good. So, um, you know, it's not been nearly as bad as it probably could have been for sure. Um, but also on top of that, you've got the pandemic going on at the moment and you know, gyms are struggling. And so I think back to back mm. to my, my, my point before, it's about just helping gyms get to the other side, helping the existing gyms just pull through and make it through this pandemic and get open again. Because I think once we've done that, when we open up again, I think people are going to seriously, seriously, t- like, you know, they're going to take their health and fitness super seriously and there's going to be a massive influx of people wanting to get into gyms and, and particularly CrossFit gyms because of the community, you know, and the connectiveness that we, we have, but also the coaching that you receive. And um, yeah, I think it's just about mm. getting everyone through and just pulling everyone through by hook or by crook at the moment. So, so yeah, no, I think it yeah, for sure could have been way worse. And, um, you know, I, you know, I had times where I was just like, well, what's going to happen? Is CrossFit going to survive and pull through this? And, you know, things worked out for the good. And we're, we're, it's, although a lot of us, you know, at least, at least 50% of boxes around the world are currently closed, are currently in a lockdown. So, um, hmm. you know, we, we, until we, until we open in six months down the line, we'll probably have a better picture of where we're at as a, as a company and where we are as affiliation. But, um, you know, I haven't, certainly in, in Ireland and in the UK, it's not been a huge drop off for sure. So we're still, still left with a real core good solid bunch and um i'm looking forward to just you know coming through and, and taking things to the next level yeah man for sure big window of opportunity for fitness everyone wants to get back in get stuck into community and high fives and all the good stuff that we love Yeah, 100 percent, absolutely yeah nice nice sunny day and a team <laughs> it's the dream isn't it <laughs> yeah um, so in around the time of Greg, how busy were you? Were you doing a lot of talking to affiliate owners? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a huge, um, there's a lot of people kind of 
concerned and worried and, and just kind of looking for some leadership and also just trying to get an understanding from my perspective what was going on because um, I think CrossFit were very quiet actually at the time um, and and just I just you know a lot of it was just giving my honest opinion on what was what was going on where I saw the future of the brand etc um, so you didn't really get any help as to how to steer those conversations no. you were just kind of left to be as, politi- yeah, well, be as political it, as possible. It, it was. It was, um, <laughs> no, it was. It was definitely kind of like you said. It was very. We were very hands off, and we were curry, like we did. People, great, just didn't want us to meddle with affiliates and try and start dictating to what they shouldn't should be doing. But when everything broke, I just took it mm-hmm. on myself to just say, look, just like, gave my opinion, tried to be a leader, tried to steady the ship. You know, obviously, I've got two affiliates of my own, and so I was speaking from my own experience of what we were doing. Um, and how we were approaching this situation, um, you know, and just being somebody to vent to as well, and you know, taking it offline and directing it at me to to somebody in the company, and just being there as a, like I said, someone to vent to. So yeah, it was incredibly, it was cre- incredibly busy, but incredibly rewarding at the same breath because it really felt like I, you know, I spoke to more affiliate owners in that kind of week, two week period than I had done the whole t- two years or year and a half before. Um, working for the company and so it was great to connect with people and, and you know it was there was a big there was a big um there was there's buckets so you had everyone you had some people that were just kind of fairly relaxed about the whole situation realized you know felt like it was just greg you know it was one man's tweet and it was didn't reflect crossfit as a whole and they were they were definitely staying then there was a load of people who were just kind of disgusted and they just had so much kickback from their communities and there was so much um, disappointment and, and frustration from their from their own members that they just felt like they had no choice but to de-affiliate. Um, and then they and actually the biggest group were the people in the middle who were just really on the fence and just didn't know what to do. And um, they were the ones that probably needed the most help. Uh, and just you know it was it was never you should stay with CrossFit because of this. It was like, well, what do you think of the situation? How do you feel? What do you, what are your members saying? What are your coaches saying? Um, you know, what do you see the long-term ramifications about it? What, what's important to you as a gym owner? And, and, you know, all these sort of conversations, really, and trying to help them answer it themselves, basically. Uh, so yeah, it was was busy, mm. hugely rewarding, um, just because it felt like I could actually make a difference for the first time. You know, I could really actually get my roll my sleeves up and and contribute. And uh, it was kind of just like we we it was it was a bit like. Um, you know, jump, I was just pulling rank and just doing what I thought was right by my community at the end of the day, not worrying about the consequences, just caring deeply for the affiliate owners and trying to do what I thought was right by them. Um, and, and we've continued to do that ever since. And we've just had, you know, support and encouragement from that rather than, uh, you know, being told to, to get back in our box and, you know, follow, uh, follow orders and get back in line. So it's been really, really... Um, refreshing to be honest and, and it's been super rewarding nice and of those affiliate owners that were asking questions um you know was there people that were kind of looking for you to do something as a representative to kind of make things change um, no i don't think so i don't i mean i think people were you know realized there wasn't a lot i could do at the end of the day um what i did do is i sent out we did some surveys and we got people's perspective and I sent that up the chain and said, look, this is what the UK community are, 
a feeling and are saying, and this is what they want in the next week, this is what they want in the next month, and this is what they'd like to see in the next six months. Um, so, you know, and I think it was just, again, whether that was listened to or not, it was, it was irrelevant. It was just making people feel like they could actually have a voice and you know, have their say and give feedback, basically, on, on, on the situation. So, uh, but no, no, I don't think, no mm. one was really pointing the finger at me and saying I had to make this right because they realised it was, you know, way beyond what I could I could do and influence so mm. yeah it was a tough time it was a tough time to own a gym because you know like you said people they're looking to you you know they're looking to you because you are CrossFit as far as they're concerned and you were, we were put in a tricky yeah, position I, I mean you know? so it, was, it was um it was different different like London it was just complete you know you know, it was it was tough on the London owners. They really, really felt it. Just, I mean, there's such a diverse community there. Um, whereas, you know, some affiliates are just mm. they might have had one, maybe two members that are a little bit upset, but that was it. So it was it was a real mixed bag for people, to be honest. Just based on where they were regionally as well. Um, even though UK is not a big place, you know, it's pretty it's pretty diverse in the, in the, the demographics of people and where they live and stuff. So, I mean, what was your experience like? Uh, community-wise or yeah, both, personally in the gym? I yeah, I mean, community-wise, amongst the owners, there was a there was a few posts, um, a few comment, uh, conversations by phone and that, and uh, a few people kind of trying to decide upon their, their actions, you know, yeah. what what am I going to do here? <laughs> like, And um, I know owners that had got hammered by clients wanting to know what's going on, you know, are you going to disassociate? And I also know other gym owners who had very little, you know, but actually the gym owners that I'm thinking who had very little don't particularly have that really strong front-facing CrossFit brand, so perhaps they were automatically separated from it. Um, And for myself, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, you know. I definitely had, it was brought up in conversation. I had some emails in in, in groups, uh, in our Facebook group and that, and like that, just kind of deal with it one by one and like to, to think or hope that, because the community is so big and so strong worldwide that they're going to make yeah. this right in some fashion, you know, something's, something's, something's just going to tidy this up because uh, I think the community as a whole just deserve, yeah, I think deserves the, more. The, you know? the biggest challenge is because everyone was locked down, everything that was going on, um, it's just such a toxic time in general in society that it, it felt like people had a gun to their head and they had to make a decision either way there and then at that moment in time. And and it was, you know, mm. what I was trying to encourage people is just not rush, like sit back, see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Because we're literally talking about a matter of days, and uh, you know, not rather than months, right? See what happens. Let's just mm. like see what plays out. Don't make any rash decisions that you have to hang your, your, your hat to for the rest of your life. And then and we'll see how yes, these things play definitely. out. And um, that was what I was trying to encourage people is to not feel like they had to feel pressure to make in a stance either way because that's why it felt like at the time it was either you were in or out, you couldn't be in the middle. And uh, it was absolutely fine to be in the middle to see what, what, what was going to happen and, and, you know, take your time making these decisions. And, and that's what a lot of affiliates did do, you know, because I said their affiliation might have not been due for maybe six months after that. And, you know, they could say, look, we're really disappointed with what's happened and, we're considering strongly pulling away from the brand. We're just going to see what happens over the next couple of months before we, we make any long-term decisions. So, um, 
But it's difficult. You imagine you're yeah. brand new. You know, you and I have got the advantage of owning a box and everything that we've learned over the years um, that comes with that. But can you imagine you're, you're a year in or you're, you're two years in? And you're, if I go back and think of myself when I was 21, 20, 22 and I just opened a box, I don't know how I would have handled the situation. It was incredibly difficult for people. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, we seem to have moved on pretty nicely with a, a new CEO, Eric Rosa. Have you had any dealings uh, with Eric? Not a huge deal. We've had a couple of conversations. Um, and, you know, he's, I think when he, when he first started, it was just, can you imagine you, like, literally you get given CrossFit, you're the owner of CrossFit tomorrow. It's like, where do you start, right? It's just so many opportunities and so many things that you want to get after. Um, particularly with Eric's brain, because he's so bright. He just has 100 ideas a minute. Um, and so I think the, the the biggest challenge for him in the beginning was just trying to narrow the focus down and try and understand where do we start with this. Um, mm. And I think now, like mm. I said, just by from from what the country managers have said and the people that are in the community that have been here a while, it's just we've got to focus on the affiliates because everything for me starts with the affiliate and it starts with the affiliate. And if you have a happy affiliate, you have a great thriving community, then everything else will just work out. I think, and I just strongly believe that. And we have to start there. Now, mm. that doesn't mean that we can't modernize and improve and refine what we're doing over time. But let's start with the basics first. Let's start with, like I said, shoring up the affiliates and putting our attention into them and supporting them um, before, you know, don't, not run before we you know, we can walk. Um, but no, he's, he's been, he's brilliant. Yeah, you know, he's, absolutely. I, I, like I said, I, I've had a couple of interactions with him, but people that I know come into... Um, contact with him on a daily basis just can't speak highly enough of him and uh yeah he's, he's just uh he's just bringing a different skill set to the to the brand that was was built off you know greg's genius and now we've got another genius in you know to take it on further and fulfill maybe more of its potential whereas greg was it was a big experiment for greg and there was really not that concerned about how big it got at the end of the day um Whereas Eric like really is really passionate about everybody needs CrossFit in their life because he knows the benefit it's going to give them. And so, um, how can mm. we proactively and uh, yeah scale this thing so that we can reach everybody in the world? Mm. He seems to have brought in a big focus on diversity too. He's appointed some people in those roles, hasn't he? I see a DEI. Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, no, diversity. He had to do that, something like, straight person. from the back, and actually on the main CrossFit page on the main like as soon as you get on the dot com there's there's a whole you know there's a whole tab for that and uh you know I, I, a, a company as big as crossfit now and as established as crossfit you need to start taking those things seriously and they're important in society now and so um you know yeah it was very quick to, to mm. appoint people in those in those um in those positions and i think again it's just such a massive task and it's just narrowing your focus on a couple of things basically um and, and doing them really really well mm. so yeah so it's um you know it's, again it's just a, a the nature of the, the new x team and how they're professionalizing things to a certain degree i would say yeah a little bit of damage limitation and a kind of statements clear statements as to how the company's going to move forward for anyone yeah that's kind exactly of a little bit I mean, at least, but saying it is one thing doing it is another and so i think we'll be we will be measured mm. on our, our actions rather than our words at the end of the day. And, and 
the words that we're saying all the right things, but now it's a case of putting these things into action and start really making some tangible changes, basically. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So in your role, Ollie, over the last while, I'm sure you've spoken to a lot of different gym owners as regards kind of successes and issues and problems and all that type of stuff. Can you give me a, a rough idea of kind of what you generally see successful gyms doing? What does a successful gym look like overall? And when I say successful, I mean, you know, one, two owners and a couple of staff maybe that are, are yeah, making I think good careers out of it. Success is a, it's a, it's a tricky one. We've been doing this with my own affiliate, just trying to really f- nail down what success is to us. Um, I think um first and foremost you need you need that landlord you need a owner operator that's in the trenches on a daily basis they don't necessarily have to be coaching but they're they wake up in the morning and all they're thinking about is the gym they're focused on the box um mm-hmm. you definitely need that um you know and, and there's an awareness around the gym owner as well to know what their strengths and weaknesses are and the ones that are successful the ones that are fully understand where their weaknesses are and then they build a team around them to complement those weaknesses. Um, and, and also not necessarily weaknesses, but yeah. also what they don't enjoy doing. Because what's really important and what success to me is that you're you're doing stuff that's aligned with your values and you're loving what you do every day. It's not a chore. Um, because then it doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like a, a calling, right? So having a, having a good awareness around mm. what you're strong at, what you're not so strong at, building a team around you that, that complements that. And then just really fucking giving a shit, like, excuse my language, but just really, really, really caring about your community and how you improve it and make it better. Uh, and they're the key thing. So it's like good mm. awareness around what you're good and bad at, making sure that you're, you've got the right people on the bus, um, in the right seats on the bus, going in the right direction, um, and, and just having a, you know, a passion for what you do and a love and a care for your community. They're the, they're the key things for me anyway. Nice, nice. And um, on the other side of things, then I'm sure you've seen some unfortunate gyms had to kind of bow out gracefully of business. Now I know the pandemic has put a particular amount of pressure on gyms, but say overall, have you seen any sort of trends in gyms that might be on their way out or doing things that they just there's only one? It's only yeah, going to bring them again. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know of maybe two that um, have closed down, but I knew that they were looking to sell the the company before COVID had even started. So, um, okay. yeah, okay. but again, That's they're good. a proud bunch, Shaman. So uh, if people are struggling, they maybe yes. aren't necessarily, okay. um, you know, posting it all over Facebook, but um, yeah, I know, I think, you know, people are on yeah. the cusp and uh, I think if, it, if we go on another six months, then yeah, I think that will break people. But, I think everyone's I think everybody kind of feels mm. and I'm trying to you know I firmly believe this it's going to be such um such great momentum when we come out of this for for the fitness industry in particular CrossFit gyms and there's so much exciting stuff to look forward to for the future that people are just kind of clinging on by hook or by crook over the next couple of months mm. um just to get to the other side mm. and, and yeah so you know I'm we're, we're doing everything we possibly can to help those that need it and we've just been encouraging affiliate owners and, and box owners to reach out if you need support you need help please let us know because there are things that we can do to to, to help you um, we just need to let, let let you just need to let us know ultimately yeah for sure so you know without direct experience over the last while speaking to those owners and what would you estimate based on your experience or gyms that you see worldwide even what would you estimate 
you know, can you estimate any situations where gym owners are just dropping the ball where they could avoid that if yeah, they did something different? I think there's a big, you know? Um, you know, there's a great book called The E-Myth. I don't know if you've read that. And it's about, yeah, and, and so... I have indeed, yeah. It talks about systemizing your business, doesn't it? It talks about, like, you know, um, making sure that you're... Uh, the, the, you're not doing everything right you're not doing the programming and cleaning the bathrooms and doing the accounting and you know everything falls on your shoulders um which is right and it was a it was an eye-opener for me but at the same breath people can go too far the other way and they completely systemize everything or try to completely systemize everything and they they have no kind of connection with the community and no connection with the box and therefore it kind of becomes a bit soulless, if that makes sense, and it loses identity to a certain degree. And, mm. uh, and I've said this countless times, but you need that landlord, you need that person, that that, that person who's driving the box, that leader within their community. And um, I think, yeah, exactly. And I think uh-huh. if you if you try to completely remove yourself from that, you're gonna you're gonna be losing a trick. Um, if you've not got that person in there, that's gonna be that gaffer, you know. And, uh, you know, some people have it, whether it's a business partner or have got a head coach that they've maybe given a bit of equity into the business or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's not, I think people are doing that before they, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're trying to be too removed from it, basically, trying to do too many other things, uh, which I'm a prime example of, like, with everything I've got on. But, but I still, you know, my bread and butter is the gym. Like, yeah. I do all these these other things, but my affiliate is my baby and it's the one thing that I will always go back to. If I had to drop everything tomorrow, you know, I would, the gym would be the thing that I keep because I, I love it and I love the community and I, it gives me so much energy. And you know, I just te- teaching zoom classes this morning, like people were surprised that I still coach and I'm like, well, if I don't coach, then I'm going to lose touch with, with the community. I'm going to lose touch with the, the people and I'm going to lose touch with my own coaching. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's what I see yeah. a lot of, you know, you just, uh, if you remove yourself too far too much, you're gonna lose you're gonna lose a handle on it, and um, you know, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be difficult for sure. Mm. For, and like you know, it's not for all businesses, yeah. but particularly a CrossFit affiliate where the connection with your members and the community is so important, and it's one of the key things that separates you from other fitness, um, I guess, uh, brands and um, things out there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good tip, man. And uh, that will kind of lead naturally into the next one. But uh, let me see how will I phrase this? What do affiliates need to do going forward to succeed best? Like you mentioned systems. Is that going to be the biggest thing for affiliates? Because I, I hear that time and time again, and I've been guilty of it for years. You know, just kind of putting out fires uh, reactively rather than being proactive in, in, in having things locked into place. Is that one of the biggest things that we need to do going forward as affiliates and maybe that potentially CrossFit are going to help with? Because I know we talked about the playbook and yeah, stuff like I that. Think, I mean, it's different for everyone. Like somebody with uh, business experience has come to it. You know, they might need to refine their coaching abilities. Um, the majority of people get into this because we're coaches and we love coaching and training people. And we didn't realize that there's a whole load of other stuff right in the, in the back end that, that we need to do. And, if we've got nobody else to do it, then we're the ones that have to do it ultimately as owners. So um, just giving people the tools for that yeah. um, is definitely one thing. I think, like, for me, it's just people. Like, we're a people business. We're a service business. And 
finding good people um, and fight. If you've got that one coach that's always given you um, headache and they take up, you know, 80% of your time, um, you probably, you just need to, you know, make some tough decisions and maybe cut that person loose. And uh, it, for me, it's just having the right people around you and having a team that is completely aligned in your mission and what you're trying to achieve and, that's t- tough. Like, you know, leadership is tough. Managing people is very difficult. And lots of people don't want to do it. they much rather just work on their own. But if you've opened a gym and you've got coaches working for you, you've signed up for that. And so trying to def- develop your leadership and your ability to communicate with your team and support your team and build a vision is, is, is crucially important, I think, moving forward. And it's going to lay the foundation for everything you do. Um, if you've got that alignment, then everything kind of will fall into place. And uh, yeah, so that, that's that's a key thing for me. And that's just my personal opinion, you know. Uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, how big are you on mission, vision, core values? Have you got all that yeah, stuff in it's play? Yeah, we, we were going through an exercise today. So we, we, we refined our values for the last, for the, like we did this during the break between the last lockdown. Um, but you know, where, um, mm. where I think values are great, but where I think they fall down on, um, and this is not, you know, I've not come up with this. Reed Hastings and his, um, is the founder of Netflix. He's, he runs a, a great, he's wrote a great book with this. And, and actually there's an online document with, with, um, with Netflix kind of core values and their kind of mission, I guess, is uh, like if you, values are just abstract things, you need to bring them to life. And so what we do is we take those values and list what the behaviors are within those values. And once you've got those behaviors, bringing them down a level again and saying, well, what are the actual tangible expectations within a gym? So let's take honesty as an example. What are the behaviors of honesty? Like we, you do in the dark what you do in the light. So you, you're, 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 you've got integrity always, regardless of whether people are watching or not. But what does that actually look like? in the gym as an, a tangible example is like well if you've got a cleaning chart as an example you're 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 making sure that you are hoovering the gym before signing off that you've hoovered the gym that would be an expectation of honesty and that's mm-hmm. how you would take a value bring it to a behavior and then into an expectation um does that make sense i think like it's really important to set clear it's really important to set a clear it expectations does. It does. And there's no resentment you either did it you either met those expectations or you didn't um, and if you, if you're sometimes if you can be if you're kind of grey around those expectations, then then resentment can creep in and miscommunication can creep in. So I think, yeah, values and and having a core mission and what that looks like and and it's go back to your kind of what you were talking about success as well. For us, we've been defining success and one thing we've been talking about as well. You know, you could uh, you could measure yourself. Excuse the dog. You could measure yourself with against other gyms in the area we want to be the best gym in dublin we want to be the best crossfit gym in ireland um but with your members you wouldn't ever tell your members to you know compare themselves in their fitness journey with other members wouldn't you? you'd say like it's your journey it's your you need to just focus on you and do the best you can and so that's what that's the approach we've been taking with our affiliates it's like you know let's not compare ourselves to other affiliates let's just try and be the best that we can be. And what does that look like? Well, are our team loving what they're doing? Are they thriving in their jobs and their roles and they're fulfilled? Um, you know, is, is our members, do they feel like 
they're valued and they're part of the community and are they getting results um are we profitable is the gym profitable because if you're not profitable you can't reinvest back into equipment and services for your members and then also what are you doing outside of just the gym like how are you how are you helping the wider community how are we making ourselves more inclusive and bringing kind of minority groups into the gym and helping serve them that potentially can't afford to to be a a member of a gym that's obviously costs a lot of money to be a, a member of a crossfit gym right so how are we helping those demographics so they're all the things that we're kind of looking to now to define mm. our success and having measurements of each one of those. Like say with staff perspectives, when we're having staff reviews, you know, actually asking them like, how are they performing, but also how are they feeling in their role? How, what's their job satisfaction? Like us surveying our members, like on a regular basis, like, are you, are you, do you feel connected and part of the community? Do you feel like you're being, you know, you get getting a good service, but also are you achieving the results that you wanted to? Um, and they, they're the actual tangible things that you can measure and improve on and set set benchmarks. So I went off on a bit of a tangent then because I'm passionate about it, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's taking... It's no, I love it. I love it for are, sure. Some very fairly abstract concepts, right, but bringing them down to the ground and making them, you know, real and, and bringing them to life. And um, I think that's the important thing when you're doing anything with um, mission and vision and values and all that type of stuff. Cause it can be, it can be just words on a, on a board that look fancy, but you know, you don't really live by them. The coaches on that. Like you, yeah. you've got like one of ours is like relentlessly give a shit. But if, uh, if you, if one of your values is relentlessly give a shit and your, your coach is on the phone, like texting when there's a class that ain't living by those values, are they? So having that as an expectation and writing that in mm. black and white, you know, you can, people know and the coaches know that they are not on their phones when there's a class going on basically uh, and that's yeah 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 i love it this is the uh, stuff that <clears throat> i could personally talk about all day ollie because i'm, I'm working on refining some stuff in it myself at the moment and uh, i'm digging yeah, through a book yeah, called great. traction that's i don't know if you come across traction i mean i think uh, yeah the people fantastic. one is um, yeah uh, you know that that was real good exercise for me just making sure they've got the right people on the right bus uh Yes. Yeah. When you said that sentence, I kind yeah, of, that, that, that made me Collins, think you were, you were on uh, traction for sure. Jim yeah. Collins concept, but they, they re-emphasize it in traction actually. So, yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's where it's at really, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's well, all very American, but we had to take well, it on eventually you know, and get, with our, get with our teams. <laughs> principles that I can fall back on because otherwise I just get lost in my train of thinking. And one thing that taxi does good is, and, and it's like, yeah. you know, you can go deep in with tra- something like traction and do it like literally word for word and they'd advise that you do. But for me, it's just a few things in there that I can add to my toolbox, you know, and there's so many, you know, that's what I would yeah. encourage affiliate owners and, and owners to do is just continue to learn and ref- like seek, seek out best practices in other industries outside of just the gym one as well. And what can you learn from that? What can you learn from management? Yeah. What can you learn from, from business structures and stuff and apply it to the affiliate model? Uh, and reach out. Don't be afraid to yeah. reach out to other owners who are in there before sure, you sure. might be sure. happy to help. You know, I'm uh, I'm on calls every week with two other owners here in Dublin and, yeah. uh, since the lockdown started and it's been fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. And, and just value time, bouncing time, around you know all the, the time on Zoom. You, you just know, need so. somebody to turn around and say, yeah, you're right. You know, and, and and I think that again has been the yeah. beauty of having a couple of partners. Like we've been able to have those conversations and sound things off. But if you're on your own, 
you need those people around you. You need that support network that you can bounce ideas off of and, and share best practices, yes. basically. Yeah. yeah, it can be it can be a very yeah. isolating role, right? In the affiliate ownership. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ali, I'm conscious of your time as well. I know we've been on for a long time now chatting, but uh, it's been fantastic to dig in. Yeah, thanks, and, uh, thanks for having me. It again took me a while to get soon. going, but I, I appreciate it and you bearing with me. And um, yeah, just thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thanks, you know, I said this yesterday in a, a social media post, which, um, you know, you've you literally, the Irish community has been built off your shoulders, ultimately. You're one of the very first gyms and CrossFit gyms in the, uh, in, in in Ireland and you're still here going strong and um, you know we're, I'm just incredibly grateful to to have you as part of the community and have you a leader uh, over in Ireland so so thank you for everything you do and for, for your community thank brilliant you. Thank, thank you so much Ollie